Hello one and all to this Wednesday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. Yes, we are back. It is a beautiful Wednesday, April 5th edition of the Logan Blackman Show. But as you, of course, know, we record this the day before. So it is still May 4th. So I am contractionally, contractionally obligated to tell you, may the 4th be with you. Yes, great day, greatest franchise in movie history. I don't care. If I was to say... That so everybody I, I think pretty much knows I'm a loser when it comes to certain things. I mean loser in a grand scheme of things. Like oh, like you, oh, you're such a loser for liking this. No, I think everybody just assumes oh Logan you're just a loser in general for my 33 page mock drafts and then my two drafts that I did one with trades one without trades and one without trades or with trade yeah without trades way more accurate than the other one. But I'd say my other thing I'm a huge loser or nerd about is Star Wars. And that comes down to a few things. Me and my friends friends from church that I grew up with watch Star Wars a lot. Well, I guess it's everybody except for one of them. He doesn't really care about Star Wars. He saw episode 4, 5, 6, and then we went to 7 when The Force Awakens came out in, what, 2017, 2016? I'm not 100% sure. But, but I was one of those losers that went to the movie with... Yes, with my lightsaber. <laughs> my mom got me a, a, it was like a Darth Vader slash Anakin Skywalker lightsaber, which is kind of annoying. It's not movie accurate, which is something that I get frustrated with quite a bit. Like you see it in the Lego Star Wars game a lot, where Anakin, there's a red lightsaber Anakin and a blue lightsaber Anakin. But in real life, or in Star Wars, there's only blue lightsaber Anakin and red lightsaber Darth Vader. There's no such thing as red lightsaber Anakin which is something I think they should have done in Revenge of the Sith. But I have a lot of other gripes with Revenge of the Sith that I'm not going to get to here, but I will say they should have done like Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows and split it up into two movies because it would have been so much better. It wouldn't be as accelerated as it is right now. But that is one of the gripes I have, the, the, the blue and red lightsaber thing. This lightsaber that I have, if you press the button or turn it off, turn it back on, it'll go from red to blue, red to blue, and all, all sorts of things. It doesn't do that. That has never happened in Star Wars where Anakin has a red lightsaber. I mean, technically, I guess Anakin does have a red lightsaber because he is Darth Vader as well. Spoiler alert for those of you who haven't seen it. But it doesn't have... It is one of the tiniest little things that irks me a little bit. But I brought that to the show. I brought that to The Force Awakens and turned it on like a loser that I am at the end of the movie. I didn't clap. I'm not that much of a loser. Because I didn't enjoy the movie that much to clap, but I did turn on the lightsaber at the end of the movie. Because I'm a normal person. I don't clap at the end of movies that I was just like, oh, that was pretty good. But I remember watching that a few years ago when I saw episode four for the first time. Or today, earlier that day, I saw this movie earlier when I watched A New Hope. But I still paid money to go watch this. That was a long day, but a, a fulfilling day. And I don't know if I talked about this on the show, but when I was recovering... From my mouth surgery when I got my bone graft done, the first week I was incapacitated, I guess, I watched all nine Star Wars episodes in the Skywalker Saga plus Rogue One. So I watched 1, 2, 3, Rogue One, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. I could have done without watching 8 and 9. There's some redeeming qualities in episode 7. There's really not a lot of those in episodes 8 and 9, and me and my friend Drew have our disputes about which one is worse. I think most normal people can say that those two are the worst Star Wars movies ever created. 
It's just a matter of which one you think's worse. For episode 8, your big gripes with that are... This is a bunch of random crap that didn't need, get needed. They're trying to be too funny, which I didn't really enjoy. You got Blue Milk, you had Carrie Fisher who was actually dead in real life, and then there was an opportunity for her to die in the movie, and she does arguably the dumbest move in Star Wars and force pulls herself towards the ship while she's in the va deep vacuum of nothingness known as space. I, 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 I still, there's so many other things I didn't have notes prepared for this, but then episode 9, you have Palpatine, you have Force Healing. Those two things are garbage in their own right. I don't care which movie you like worse, as long as you say those are the two worst movies of all time. Your order can be whatever. I don't care. But episode 8 just feels so weird. They just didn't care. They killed off Snoke, which some people go, well, it doesn't matter who Snoke is. We're trying to figure out who Kylo Ren is. I would like to know, I at least have some idea where Snoke is, and then if you if you watch the fight scene in that, there are people, the Red Guards, that aren't even fighting. They're just swinging their axes or swords around and just doing nothing. It's a dope fight scene, other than once you start analyzing and go, wow, they're actually not hitting anything. They're, they're swinging at nothing. Or they're swinging at something, but they're hitting nothing. It, it, it was very confusing watching that. It's just not a great movie. Neither one of those movies have very many redeeming qualities. I, I just don't like them. If I had to rank it, if I was ranking my favorite Star Wars movies of all time, that the list would be very different. Man, I thought we was just going to go on a tiny tangent about Star Wars. But see, this is what I was talking about. This is unplanned, by the way. I have two different orders here. Which ones I think are the best and the ones I enjoy the most, which is are two completely different lists from each other. Like, I enjoy episode two the most just because of how bad it is and how cringy it is and all the meme potential in episode two. Attack of the Clones, for those of you who are unaware. I love episode two. It is probably the third worst Star Wars movie of all time, and I'm okay to admit that. But I thoroughly enjoy watching it, and every time I ask someone, like, what's your favorite movie, and why is it Attack of the Clones? You can't have a favorite movie and have it not be Attack of the Clones. It just seems counterintuitive, doesn't it? You can't dislike Attack of the Clones. You can do whatever. Boring, no point, whatever. Funny moments are numerous in the movie, and Obi-Wan looks the best in that movie. Long-haired Obi-Wan is beautiful, and I don't care if you like Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith, Obi-Wan, because that's a nice Obi-Wan as well. I think we can just all agree, speaking from non-biased, we can hold our hands up and say we're doing this non-biased, Obi-Wan is just awesome in general. So it doesn't matter which Obi-Wan your, your favorite is. Because it's Obi-Wan. It's beautiful. And Hayden Christensen is prime meme Hayden Christensen in episode 2. The I don't like sand line. The I killed them. And not just the men but the children. Not just the men but the women and children too. They're animals. I slaughtered them like animals. That line. The creepy... Lines where Padme goes, stop staring at me. And he goes, why? And she goes, because it makes me uncomfortable. And he continues staring. That All of this is in Star Wars Episode 2. So if we're talking about like how much I enjoy it, number one, by far. And I love saying that it's my favorite Star Wars movie because it makes no sense. And you'll find very rarely, very rarely you'll find other people that agree with that. But if I'm talking about how good the movie is, like from non-meme potential, it's probably the third worst Star Wars movie of all time. I think you can rank 
8 and 9, however you want it, the bottom of the pyramid, but episode 2 is probably right there. I don't mind the Phantom Menace. I think that gets overly hated as as it started to go up because of mostly Jar Jar Banks. That's one character that brought basically the public eye's perception of episode one kind of got brought down just because of Jar Jar Binks. And then episode three has the fight scenes, but the CGI is a little, it's like they got, they had a lot of a big budget and we're like, let's just crap it all on unnecessary CGI that doesn't look very good. But it's fun. To, the fight scenes are fun to watch. Order 66 sheds, it brings a tear to you. eye. Anakin bringing out the lightsaber when the kids are in there is kind of a morbidly funny scene. And obviously, the ending scene, other than the no part by Darth Vader, that that scene could have gone. I could have gone without seeing that scene. But I mean, I do not hate. I well, I, I shouldn't say hate. I shouldn't say I don't hate. I hate episode eight and nine. Other than that, you can order the Star Wars saga however you would please, as long as eight and nine are at the very bottom. Again, you could be nine's the worst. I'm fine with that. You can have eight is the worst, and I'm fine with that as well. Both are bad in their own right, <laughs> and they both have very little meme potential, which is how you base the prequels and the sequels on how fun they are to watch and how good they are, which is sad. Like, they get good scores by critics, but the audience scores are not very good, and they're just not very good movies in general. I would just recommend staying away from those movies. Because then we get to finally reveal what Rey is, and oh, she's a Palpatine. Again, sorry if you haven't seen the movie, but I mean, it's been out for a while now. If you haven't, sorry. And if you still have it, don't bother. She's a Palpatine. Oh my god. And then her and Ben obviously have the makeout session. I thought it'd be funny if Ben brings Rey back, or Rey brings Ben back. Wait, what did it go? Rey, ben brings Rey back, Rey brings Ben, and they just keep living the rest of their life with one of them dying and the other one bringing back the other one. You know how many times Force Healing could have saved people in Star Wars? And one of the funny, most underrated memes that I kind of made up myself is in Episode 1, when Darth Maul stabs Qui-Gon, Qui-Gon's still alive when Obi-Wan goes over there after he defeats Darth Maul. So Qui-Gon's literally just sitting there, chilling the entire time. He's just straight chilling the entire time. And then Obi-Wan comes over there and... Yeah, it's just funny thinking about him just staring at them while they're doing it. Because he's not dead yet. He dies later. And, yeah. And if we're being technical here, where Anakin was supposed to bring balance to the Force, technically he did. There are two Jedi and two Sith when Episode 3 is all said and done, which is balanced. Two and two. But the Jedi's way of balance is no Sith, all Jedi. But I think we all are aware the Jedi are the dumbest people in Star Wars. I don't have time to explain how dumb the Jedi are. If you're a fa- if you would rather be a Jedi than a Sith, I am sorry. Those guys are dumb. Unless you're being Obi-Wan, then don't worry about being a Jedi. They ain't very cool. <laughs> They're pretty lame and very stupid. But yeah, that's we've got 11 minutes talking about Star Wars, which is some some people don't know 11 minutes worth of Star Wars things. So maybe this was a great segue to get you into Star Wars. Maybe you like Lord of the Rings like a freaking loser. Or The Hobbit, which I guess is the same but different. Loser. Star Trek. Loser. Star Wars is way cooler. <laughs> oh, man. I'll, I'll go Star Wars lore with anybody. That's, uh, that's one of my favorite things to talk about outside sports is Star Wars. I have to explain Star Wars to some of my pleb friends out there who don't know Star Wars. I have to explain what the Force is. 
And it can get exhausting from time to time, but that's why you have friends that love Star Wars as much as you, and you can discuss Star Wars willy-nilly, and it's it's a great release. It's great. I love it. So let's get into what we were actually talking about before we were contractually obligated to talk about May the 4th be with you. There's something I've been working on the past couple days because, just to put it lightly, the draft sucked the life out of me. That was a long process that has finally come to an end, and we talked about it on Monday. We recapped the entirety of the draft, talking about favorite picks, favorite all that stuff. Fun, 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 fun. That killed me. So before we get into anything else, I'm going to take a little break from doing the show. I know it doesn't seem like we're doing a lot here, but I do have a job outside of this where I actually make money. This show I don't really make a lot of money for. It's because I make no money from, from, from the show, but I'm tired. And this thing keeps me up at night. I can barely, I don't get a lot of sleep. It keeps my brain churning. So I'm going to take like a week break and we'll kick off season three because this is a, we're season two right now, technically, on RSS feeds, which is where you put your podcast before it goes on to Spotify and Apple Podcasts, which if you aren't subscribed, subscribe, subscribe right now. But that's where you upload it, is RSS. I don't know what it stands for. I'm not that into or in tune with everything going around with RSS feeds. I just know it's rssfeed.com, rss.com, and that's where you upload anything. So if you want to start a podcast, that's where you do it. Or if you want to do SoundCloud, you can just upload it straight to SoundCloud. But we are on season two. I think this is episode 67 of 60, or season two, and I want very much so to go to 69, which we might. We'll see how I'm doing on Thursday when I want to record a show then. And then we have Billy Joe Saunders versus Canelo Alvarez coming up on Saturday, so that's going to be exciting as hell to watch. Canelo Alvarez is one of my favorite boxers in the world. If you want to watch technical boxing, if you are learning about the sport, if you want to start watching the sport, I recommend you watch Canelo Alvarez more than anybody out there because Canelo is one of the best offensive boxers and one of the best defensive boxers. He's by far the most complete boxer out there, and he's a champion in four different weight classes. Like, dude is complete, and he's only like 31 years old, so he's not even close to being done yet. I'm excited to see this fight because this is supposed to be, you know how you get to the point of your career where every fight is supposed to be the one that drops you? That's supposed to be this one with Billy Joe Saunders. For those of you who are unaware or don't really follow boxing that much, but you wallow like YouTube stuff or entertainment stuff, Billy Joe Saunders fought on the undercard of Logan Paul KSI. For those of you who are unaware of who he is, but Tyson Fury's a big fan of Joe, Billy Joe Saunders. They've been working together, and this is supposed to be a very big fight. And I'm expecting Canelo Alvarez to come out on top. They both have near-perfect records. Canelo's one loss came to Floyd Mayweather. Billy Joe Saunders has 30 wins, no losses. Canelo has 37 knockouts, just to put things in perspective here. But, yeah. Exciting stuff. Match will take place at AT AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas, home of the Dallas Cowboys. I'm not sure what time the fight actually starts. I would just safely assume around 7 or 8. And it's on DAZN, so you're going to have to get a membership to DAZN, or you can find totally other legal ways of streaming this fight, because it's going to be a fun one. I'm very intrigued to see what happens. Canelo's been pushed a few times, but most of the time, other than the one against Floyd, he comes out victorious, even against Triple G. He drew the first one, beat him somewhat controversially in the second time they fought, and they should get a trilogy somewhere in the near future. Time will tell on if that actually happens. But if you're trying to get into boxing 
And we've talked about boxing quite a bit on the show in the like past few years. But Canelo is a guy you should watch if you're trying to learn the sport because he will do everything in one fight that can teach you everything about the sport. He's awesome to watch. Awesome, awesome, awesome to watch. And I'm very excited to see this. And maybe, maybe Billy Joe Saunders is the guy that could take Canelo out. Like, Teofimo Lopez took out Vasily Lomachenko. That wasn't supposed to happen, but it did. It did, and it sucked to watch because I'm a big fan of Lomachenko. Didn't knock him out, but beat him in 12 rounds. Lomachenko tried to come back. I don't think it was as lopsided as the cards said, but Teofimo Lopez won. I don't think he's fought since he beat Lomachenko, but... I don't think this is like the, uh, well, I don't know. I'm not going to try and make any predictions about it. It's going to be a fun one. It's going to be a very, very fun one. We might go more in depth if we do a show on Friday. I can guarantee if we do a show on Friday, we'll do one on Monday, and then we will take the break because I think going to episode 69 for the culture would be the move to go and then take like a week break and then come back to season three and stuff like that. That'd be, I think that's the move, but Time will tell. We'll see how tired or exhausted or however I am on Friday or on Thursday when we record the show. Now, we're not doing any draft stuff anymore, like in-depth draft stuff. Like, in, Well, not in-depth, but insane draft stuff like what we did for the 2021 NFL Draft, 33-page mock draft. We don't have any of that stuff coming out. I'm not doing any mock drafts for the 2022 draft class at this point in time, but what I am doing is ranking... The top 10 quarterbacks right now, and it's way too early to rank these guys. It probably shouldn't be doing this right now, but it's fun. It's a fun thing to do. It's not something that needs to be done at this point in time, and it's going to divide opinions all over the place. And there's a lot of good quarterbacks in college football right now. Now, as a class, do I think this year's class, like the upcoming class in 2022, compares to the 2021 class? No. The 2021 class had a lot bigger names attached to it. Namely, Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. I don't think you have quarterbacks in this class that are at that level yet, especially not Trevor Lawrence draft cl- draft stock. But, and hey, there might not even be a quarterback taken with the first overall pick in this year's draft, depending on who has the number one pick. Like, say, like most predictors have right now, most people are pretty confident the Houston Texans will finish as one of the worst teams in the league because they don't think Deshaun Watson is going to be there. But, Again, you never know what's going to happen in the NFL. It's the fun part about the NFL. Deshaun Watson may very well be Houston Texans quarterback, but we just do not know. We don't know if he's going to be playing for another team or if he's going to be somewhere else. It's just too hard to explain right now or too hard to figure out right now. But Kayvon Thibodeau, who was the number one recruit in the nation a few years ago, went to Oregon, and he is one of the people, one of the few defenders that we're going to watch that could win the Heisman. Like we had Chase Young, we had Manti Teo, Charles Woodson obviously won the Heisman, uh, Nadamakin Sue was very dominant and came in the Heisman finalist, but Kayvon Thibodeau could really push that this year because there's not that one guy, the one quarterback that people are going to go, yeah, this is a guy that's going to win the Heisman Trophy. Now you have favorites, like I saw a favorites list of the odds for the Heisman Trophy this year, Heisman odds from National College Football. I don't know if these are exact odds, but this is what this person posted on Instagram, and they they messed up on something, so I'll make sure to say that when we get to it. But Spencer Rattler, quarterback for Oklahoma, is the favorite. Then you have DJ Ugalele, Ugalele from Clemson there at second. JT Daniels, that dude, 
I don't know what it is. Dude, save the stash. That that picture, the curtains plus the stash, is not a great look. And I'm not saying I'm the best looking person of all time, but I'm not saying I'm the worst looking person of all time either. JT, with that look that this picture has for you, you're damn close to being the ugliest person of all time. So I would, <laughs> if you weren't a D1 quarterback, good lord, and a number one recruit in high school, I don't know what to say for you right now, because that's not a look, JT. Maybe in the future it'll start to look better, but that Tash is brutal. But he's number three. Sam Howell is number four, the quarterback for North Carolina. Bryce Young is plus 1,000. I really like Bryce Young. We've talked about him a lot on the show, and I think he might be... I'm, I'm just speculating at this point. Well, obviously everybody's speculating at this point because we haven't even reached part of the season where we can even get close to actually making genuine predictions about this. But Bryce Young, I think, has a chance to take home the Heisman this year. If everything goes to plan at Alabama, he should be a top candidate for the Heisman Trophy, even as a true... or Is he a redshirt freshman or a true sophomore? I can't remember. But he should be in the running for that as well, and I would put him closer to the top for the Heisman Trophy. Then you have Keaton Slovis... At plus a thousand, and the picture they use is not Keen Slovis, which is something I found very intriguing. And I was like, "That's not him." Went to the comments, and I was very pleased to see ninety percent of the comments on this post were roasting this page for not having Keaton Slovis as that picture. That's not Keen Slovis. I'm looking at it right now. It's not Keen Slovis. I don't know who it is. That's not Keaton Slovis. And on this list, just as we got to Keaton Slovis, you have three former USC Trojan quarterbacks on here. And Keaton Slovis is the last one remaining. Keaton Slovis was JT Daniels' backup. JT Daniels obviously got hurt. Keaton Slovis took the job and ran with it. And Bryce Young was committed to USC. But after Keaton Slovis balled out, he decommitted and went to Alabama. So those are three USC quarterbacks right there. And it'll be interesting to see which one comes out on top. I think Bryce Young's the most talented out of them. JT Daniels got a ton of potential. Just need to see if he can actually live up to it. He's getting it falling in that similar range as Sam Darnold, where like, oh, it doesn't matter how bad he is, he's still got the potential somewhere. I think JT Daniels can play. He played well towards the in the four games he played for Georgia last year. They went undefeated. He put up, I think, 10 touchdowns, two interceptions, or something like that. Played well. Uh, next one on this list, Derek King, one of my favorite quarterbacks in college football. Love watching Derek King. If you want to watch the Miami Hurricanes football team on offense, they are basically ran. They're, they're, I don't know what this term is. I'm trying to think of the term here. Derrick King is the engine for that Miami offense. If he's not going, the rest of the team ain't going. And he's an absolute beast. But he did tear his ACL against Oklahoma State, so time will tell if he's ready to play by the time Miami season kicks off. I don't know their quarterback situation outside of Derrick King. Tate Martell might still be there. Who knows? He might have transferred by this point. I don't know. Next one, you got Matt Corral from Ole Miss. We'll talk about Matt Corral in a little bit. But very talented quarterback. Very erratic quarterback. Makes a lot of plays. He's a little lower on this. Plus 2,000. Jaden Daniels from Arizona State. Won another one of my favorite quarterbacks at plus 2,500. And then Isaiah Spiller, I'm assuming. I'm not 100% sure. They don't have names, and I don't know a lot of Texas A&M players outside of Kellen Mond, but Isaiah Spiller is expected by a lot of people to be the number one running back off the board. Now, obviously, Brees Hall is going to have something to say about that, the running back from Iowa State, but Isaiah Spiller is someone that has gotten a lot of hype 
as the season has approached. 1,000-yard rusher last year, 900-something-yard rusher the season before, very talented, and depending on who you ask, which if you ask anybody from where I'm from, which is the state of Iowa, you're not going to find a lot of people that say Isaiah Spiller is better than Brees Hall, or yet, let alone there's a running back better than Brees Hall. It doesn't need to be Isaiah Spiller. It could be anybody. But Brees Hall, good Lord, you can't be discrediting Brees Hall in the state of Iowa. You're going to get shot. Good Lord, you're going to get shot, or at least punched in the face or something. I I don't know. But it's crazy. But yeah, those are your Heisman odds according to that page. I don't, again, don't know how accurate they are. They could be not accurate at all. They could be what they're thinking, and I don't know if it's Vegas odds or anything. Didn't say. But if I had to make a prediction right now, I would bet the plus 1,000 on Bryce Young. I think the dude's uber talented. If things work out at Alabama now, obviously they don't have the receiving core they used to, but that doesn't mean they don't have good receivers. I mean, it's Alabama. They crap out five-star players. Clemson and Alabama and Ohio State, if you lose a five-star, you're more than likely going to have a five-star waiting in the wings. It doesn't, you don't lose a lot when you lose players. I mean, you do lose a lot, but not like if you were to lose a five-star player from Iowa, you don't have, usually you don't have other five-stars waiting in the wing at the University of Iowa. Iowa usually gets three stars and develops them into five-star talents that gets them into the first round of the NFL draft. But they don't normally have five-star talents ready and waiting in the wings. If they do, it's very, very rare. So, But at these places like Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, uh, what other samples are there? Florida, LSU, well, not usually LSU, but Florida, Texas, Oklahoma, you've got other five-stars waiting in the wings. Look at, look at Oklahoma's run of quarterbacks. Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts, Spencer Rattler. Now, Spencer Rattler is the first one of that group to be from Ohio, Oklahoma. Like, he's only played at Oklahoma. I don't. He's from Cali, I think. But he's played his entire career at Oklahoma, didn't transfer there, and he's uber, uber talented. So I would not be surprised at all if Spencer Rattler is the eventual Heisman Trophy winner. He's got the most... He's got. He's ready to play. I mean, he's played the most out of the younger quarterbacks in this list, like DJ, Bryce Young. He's played the most, and he's very, very talented. He's got a very strong arm, very easy arm as well. It doesn't look like he's throwing very hard, and then boom, it's gone. But, yeah, I could see why Spencer Rattler, I totally understand why he's the number one guy for the Heisman ranks, even though Iowa State fans will want to say Brock Purdy is better. They do have a say in that. Because he was first team all Big 12 last year. And Bryce Young, or Bryce Young, uh, Spencer Rattler at times, though he figured it out towards the end of the year, there were times where he looked a little, little flustered. Remember, he got benched against Texas right before halftime. He played great against Kansas State. He went, tw- there was one point I think he was 23 for 25 with four touchdowns. But those incompletions were interceptions. So it's just stuff like that that he'll need to sort out. And I do think it needs to calm down. And I think a full year as the starting quarterback at Oklahoma, I think that'll very much benefit him, as it does with most people starting multiple years in college. You can see the talents there. He literally got benched. Spencer Rattler, a five-star recruit, got benched. Spencer Petras never got benched at Iowa. <laughs> he played a lot worse than Rattler did. It's just I'm excited to see what all these guys can do because this is a very talented group of quarterbacks. It's not the same class as this past year's, but there's some talent here. It shouldn't be discredited. And I went to the luxury 
as a former D1 quarterback myself, not for NAI, but D1 quarterback nonetheless, I took it upon myself to immerse or give my knowledge to the mass, the, the masses. I would just give my vast range of knowledge to the masses. And I created a quarterback list. Now, this list has changed since I released it on Twitter yesterday because, you know, that was basically just a shot in the dark thing. I was just like, here's a random list. I was bored. I had nothing going on at work. It was kind of rainy, kind of windy. Wasn't a lot of things going on. Wasn't answering a lot of phone calls. So I was like, here's a random list. Didn't put a lot of time into it. Just crapped out a list. I don't usually like doing that. But that's like one of the few times I've done that. But I did it. And I got a response. I rarely get responses to these things. If I do get a response, it's usually my friend Aaron or my dad. That's usually the two people that usually respond to these things. This random dude, and I, I'm not surprised it was this kind of person. I am surprised how the hell he found this stupid tweet. I, my, my tweets don't gather a lot of attention. You literally have to go out searching for this kind of stuff. And this dude, his name is Giant Killer. I'm also not surprised he doesn't use his real name. It could be a burner account for somebody. Who knows? Big old Miss fan, from what I could tell. But he's got 58 followers, and he's following 336 people. Not a great follower to follow by E-Ratio. I think I'm following I'm following 378 people, and I have 400-something followers. So I, I, that had to be cut down over years of being on Twitter. But I don't know how he found this. I think he just searched Matt Corral or something like that, and was like, oh, here we go. Here's someone that listed Matt Corral at a reasonable spot. I'm an unbiased, I'm a very biased Ole Miss fan. I don't like this. I think Iowa State fans have more to be mad about Brock Purdy being low than Matt Corral from Ole Miss. But dude responded, how is Corral that low? Second in the SEC last year. With He didn't say what he was second in, but he just said second in the SEC last year without a coach for spring practice with Kiffin. Explanation point. And then got a like out of it. Don't know how. I think it was another Ole Miss fan, or maybe it was himself that liked it. And this was something I, he threw a he threw 14 interceptions, which looking at the 14 interceptions, that's more than any quarterback in the top 30 in passing yards, 14, then 31st guy threw, I think 16 interceptions, but the top 30 quarterbacks in passing yards, he's the only one at 14. The next closest I think is Malik Cunningham from Louisville at 12, but I, I can't even really remember that, but not only did he throw 14 interceptions, he threw 11 of them in two games. And you can go, well, Logan, he only threw a, he only threw a lot of interceptions in two games. It's six and five. Like, you should never do against teams that you should definitely beat. LSU and, I, what was it, Arkansas? I can't remember who the other team was, but I know LSU was one because LSU was awful last year. They went five and five and barely squeaked out a few wins. And the one against Florida... Very lucky is just more of Florida shutting their brains off than actually beating Florida. And Derek Stingley, the best corner by far in college football, was out. I would assume he was out because dude never plays because he's always hurt. Or at least he was making business decisions last year because he knew this year was going to be a big year. And yeah, 11 interceptions in two games. All other statistics in those two games are irrelevant at this point. He ran for like 100-something yards against LSU. But five or six interceptions in that game against the Tigers. That's awful. It is absolutely miserable. And then he said, yeah, I had seven in one game, which he didn't. He had six, so I could have corrected him on that. Didn't need to. 
because he he basically helped my point for me. He gave him an extra interception. He threw six and five. He said seven and one game, but never had much time to learn the playbook. He has a year and a half in this system. A year and a half. <laughs> it's not like it's the most complex system in the world. It's Lane Kiffin's offense. It's like two plays. Him and Mike Leach are very similar in their play calling. They don't have a lot of variation in their play calling. They're quarterback gurus. They're very quarterback-friendly systems. It's not like it's an overly complicated system here. And this sounds like I hate Matt Corral. I don't. I think he's extremely talented. But I had to defend the integrity of my list here. And dude comes on with 50-something followers. Ole Miss fan, his freaking Twitter header is Matt Corral. So, hell, it could very well be Matt Corral. But if it is, I don't think he should be a starting quarterback of a college football team because he wasn't making a lot of sense in his arguments. He's second in the SEC. In what? You didn't say in what. You just said second in the SEC. In a year year and a half in the system, that's plenty long enough. He had great numbers. If you just ax off the interceptions, great numbers. And the thing that made the interceptions worse in those two games, they were games they would have won. If he just threw two <laughs> or three, if you half his interceptions in those games, they win the game. Bar nut, they win the game. No questions. That is why he was low. And the other thing is, and I I don't really like to think like this, but just as speaking, using devil's advocate, you're being the devil's advocate here. He played very well against Florida and Alabama and then sucked against LSU and, again, I think Arkansas. Or it was Arkansas or Mississippi State. I can't remember. Two not good teams. Let's just put it like that. Let's just say it how it is. Does he just show up for the good games and not for the bad games? Or is he just for... I don't think he does that. I don't think he's one of those players. But you can't see that throughout history of people shutting off during the bad teams games. But 11-2 and two games. It's a very quarterback-friendly system. And then he didn't respond because this was all done yesterday. And then he sent me a message... This morning, he said, hey, I agree, but humans will be humans. It was shocking to watch. What does that even mean? Why did you need to respond? It doesn't mean anything. That had nothing to do with what I just said. I was like, you cannot defend throwing 11 interceptions in two games. I'm not sitting here and listening to you do that. If you just even took his 11 interceptions in two games, he threw more interceptions those two games than everybody else in the top 30 in passing yards except for one person who threw 12. In two games, he had more interceptions than every single quarterback I had in that list. In two games. Two. And again, I don't hate Matt Corral. I really like Matt Corral. I think he's an extremely talented quarterback. I think he'll ball out this year. I don't think putting him on a Heisman list is very out there. I think it's very logical. He's a very talented dude. But you cannot defend 11 interceptions in two games. That can't happen. At any level. And you can go, well, he's taking risks, and I want my quarterback to take risks. Not like that. One thing that annoys coaches more than anything is turnovers. Now, fumbles are more annoying to coaches than interceptions, in my experience, but 11 interceptions. That is the most minus one person in the top 30 in passing yards. If you just include those two games, more than anybody else on this list, in a very quarterback-friendly system, it's not the most complicated system in the world. Quarterback-friendly systems are made to, as they say, help the quarterback, be friendly to the quarterback, help them ease into things. You don't need years in the system to be a very knowledgeable. You need that in John Gruden's system. This isn't John Gruden. 
This is Lane Kiffin, who brought a college foot offense to the NFL and it didn't work. Now I think it could work because that's the direction the NFL is going. But I just could not sit there and have someone bash my list as an Ole Miss fan that was helping me make my argument. Yeah, he threw seven in one game. He didn't, but you just helped me. <laughs> Why would you come at me if you didn't even do the research yourself? He didn't throw seven, but you're helping my argument out a lot by giving him one more interception than he threw. Threw six and five. So, yeah, that was my big gripe with that. I have no big gripes with Matt Corral or anything at Ole Miss. I have no real problems there. I like a lot of players from Ole Miss. But people that come at me randomly, like they don't follow me, follow anyone I know. They have 50-something followers. They don't use their real name. That's where I have a problem. Like, did you just search it and then go, I'm going to argue with everybody that doesn't like Matt Corral, who doesn't list him as, what, where were you going to list him? That was the other issue I had. Where are you going to list him? I, I just didn't. That was one thing I was very concerned about. Where are you listing this dude if where I have him is not great or not to your liking, I guess? Because it's a fine list. Most people don't have him in their top 10. So you're going to have to come a little bit better prepared if you come at the king. <laughs> you come at the king, you best not miss. And you missed twice or three times. All of your responses were misses. But... You know, I'm open to getting criticized. I'm open to getting told I was wrong. But if you're not saying anything really affecting my decision or making me think I should feel different, I'm sorry. Because I was even like, I think he's really talented. He just needs to stop taking so many, stop forcing things so much. And if he does that, hell, he could be number two if he wants to. Or number one, I don't know. But right now, and this list is subject to change. It's way too early list. That's the whole point of this stupid thing. It's a way too early list. That's because it's way too early. But it's just fun to do. And again, it's subject to change. Matt Corral could go out and throw 50 touchdowns and two interceptions this year. Who knows? He's, again, uber talented. But just as right now, when I made this list on, what, April 3rd, that's how I saw it. And then I changed the list a little bit because there was someone I completely forgot about. Because, again, I didn't do a lot of time into this list. I... It was like, oh, this will be fun to do a list here. And posted it. But now I have an actual list with actual reasoning. So I start off at number 10. This is top 10 quarterbacks of the 2022 draft class. As of April 4th, or May 4th, not April 4th, May 4th, 2021. Number 10, Tyler Show. Uh, he's a quarterback from Oregon. Just transferred to Texas Tech from Oregon. A lot of things are expected from him at Texas Tech. He looked good at times, again, at Oregon, but would randomly get benched for Anthony Brown, who'd come in, he was a transfer from Boston College, who is expected to be the starter going into this season. And Show is a very athletic quarterback. He's a big quarterback, six foot five, about 220. Athletic for his size, has a decent arm, decent accuracy. He just needs to find some sort of consistency, which is something he never had at Oregon, which I think is ultimately why he transferred. Because you, you shouldn't... If you want to build confidence, now this could help people a lot. It helps players, but sometimes it can hurt them, which can be a good or a bad thing about having someone come in. You always constantly have to look over your shoulder. Like Joe Montana loved it. Brady loved it. Favre loved it. Like it's sometimes it works out. Sometimes they have to go somewhere else and they'll work out there. I have no doubt he'll put up good numbers at Texas Tech because it's a very quarterback friendly university. They always, all of their quarterbacks, Put up massive numbers. All of them. Not all of them pan out to be NFL stars like Patrick Mahomes, but they do put up good numbers. 
and I'm expecting that from Tyler Show. Now, Alan Bowman, last year's starter and past couple years starter at Tech, transferred to Michigan. He's not on this list, but he's just someone I thought we should mention here on this list. But Show, we'll see how he does. A lot of potential, just needs to find some consistency with this draft pass. A lot of people rank him in the top five. I don't think he found enough consistency to warrant being in the top five at this point in time. I think you can rank him in the top 10. I have no issue with that. I just think number five or six or set whatever is too high for what he did at Oregon. I think 13 touchdowns, six interceptions, was getting benched every once in a while. I don't think that's the recipe for a top five quarterback in a draft class at this point. But again, it's too early. Number nine, Matt Corral, Ole Miss. We already talked about him. Don't really need to talk a lot about him again. Uber talented, quarterback friendly system, threw 11 interceptions, two games. Could be a lot higher. I think his talent should be a lot higher, but those interceptions two games are a lot to look over. I don't want turnovers in the quarterback. And then I can see going like, oh, so you would take Tyrod Taylor over Peyton Manning or Tyrod Taylor over Brett Favre? No, let's not make stupid arguments here. I don't like the fact that he threw 11 interceptions two games because then I can come back, oh, you would take James Winston over Aaron Rodgers? Like, I don't care. I don't care if you don't think, oh, interceptions aren't his interception. Only through 14 interceptions. 11 in two games, though. He can move up. No doubt in my mind he can move up. But right now, I have my eight or nine. Then number eight, I have Jaden Daniels from Arizona State. He is the exact opposite of Matt Corral. He does not turn the ball over. He has three interceptions in his two years as a starting quarterback at Arizona State. Three. Two his first year, where he had 17 touchdowns, two picks. Then one last year, where he had five touchdowns, one pick. But the Pac-12 is really a mess in regards to the whole college football thing. Or if we're going to have a season, are we not going to have a season? No one knew. The Pac-12 was a giant heaping mess last year. And teams struggled for it. Keaton Slovis struggled last year. But he also had some arm issues last year. So that will see if that will get rectified this year. Like There's a lot of talent in the Pac-12. And I'm excited to see how Jaden Daniels does in year three. The big issues with Jaden Daniels... He's got the height. He's about six foot three, very mobile, but he's generously listed at around 185. That dude is very, very skinny. But if he puts on some pounds, he has the skill set to be an absolute baller at the next level. He looks like a starting quarterback. Six foot three, good arm, very athletic, doesn't turn the ball over. Like that's what you want from your quarterback. It's just the weight thing's a little bit of an issue, and his accuracy could be improved on, at least statistically, this upcoming season. Because I think he completed about 60%, then 58%. But again, last year for the Pac-12 is a little different than last year for a lot of conferences out there, most notably like the Big 12, the ACC, the SEC. Those conferences were generally unaffected by COVID. The Pac-12 was hit the hardest by it. And Jaden Daniels' stats weren't amazing, but he's still a very good quarterback, and I'm excited to see what he does this year, because there are games like against USC where he torched him on the ground, and there's games against Oregon two years ago, his freshman year. Oregon is an outside is looking to get to the college football playoff. They're ranked sixth, and then Jaden Daniels torches them for 400 yards and knocks Oregon out of the conversation. That's with Justin Herbert as their quarterback. Jaden Daniels can play. There's no question about that. He doesn't turn the ball over. Is athletic. Has a good arm. He can play the position. He just needs to put on a little more weight. That's all. I, that's my big concern about Jaden Daniels because 185 at 6'3", and he is not. It's different being a quarterback and being that small versus a wide receiver 
Because at the quarterback position, you're getting hit by linebackers, defensive ends, D-tackles, safety. Like, you're getting hit by everybody. Or have the opportunity to get hit by everybody, I guess. Wide receiver, you're getting mostly hit by corners and safeties. So you can get hit by the odd linebacker, but you're not getting hit by 300-pound defensive linemen. A little different from the quarterback spot than the wide receiver spot. That's my only real... It's not even an issue. More concern. It's not even really a concern. It just... We'll just see how he does. We'll see how he does this year. Number seven, Carson Strong. Completely forgot about him on my list. Really strong-armed quarterback. Just not that mobile. He's not incredibly mobile. Had a great season last year for Nevada. What was it? 27 touchdowns to four interceptions with 2,900 passing yards, completing 70% of his passes. Dude lit up the Mountain West last year. Dude balled out. Now, that is a major upgrade from the season prior. Those numbers, compared to the season before, 500 more passing yards, 16 more touchdowns, three less interceptions, and have a 7% increase in his completion percentage. Like, we'll see if this was a one-off season or if he can continue this. He might be ranked even higher as we get to the NFL Draft next April, which will be in Vegas. That was just announced yesterday or a couple days ago. So I'm intrigued to see what Carson Strong does. He's working with Jordan Palmer, who's Josh Allen, Sam Darnold, and a few other quarterbacks, quarterback coach. If he likes Carson Strong, I like Carson Strong. So let's see if he can continue this, and he might very well be one of the top quarterbacks taken in next year's draft. Number six, JT Daniels, the most hyped quarterback anywhere over the past three years has been JT Daniels. He won the Gatorade High School Player of the Year, went to USC, did not play great, in his first year at USC, they went 5-7. and seven. He was the second true freshman starting quarterback to week, week one ever at USC, which is a historic program that's had a lot of historic quarterbacks like Carson Palmer, Matt Leinart, Matt Barkley, Sam Darnold, Mark Sanchez, uh, Cody Kessler. There's, and that's just the 21st century. There's quarterbacks that date back all the way. There's a great history of quarterbacks and just players in general. And he was the first, second ever true freshman quarterback to start week one. And it did not pan out well. He did not have a good freshman season. And then the first game of the next season, he gets hurt, tears his ACL, or second game or whatever. Keaton Slovis comes in and tears it up. And then JT Daniels is sitting there like, well, I was sidelined for this year. Now it looks like I'm done for my USC career as he transferred to Georgia, which just got Jamie Newman there. Jamie Newman opt out, opted out. They had other quarterbacks there that were competing, and JT Daniels eventually got a spot towards the end of the season. Again, played four games through 10 touchdowns, two interceptions, one all games at Georgia. But Georgia's never been really known as of late to be a quarterback factory. Like, the quarterback, like they chose Jake Fromm over Justin Fields, which I, I understand. I'm not sitting here and bashing that decision because I'm of the idea that just Drake Fromm didn't do anything to lose the job. He just got to a national championship. He didn't do anything to lose it. He played very well. Different situation to Kelly Bryant at Clemson because Kelly Bryant wasn't that good. Jake Fromm put up good numbers while at Georgia during his freshman season. And Justin Fields, though a top two recruit in the nation, or top three, whatever he exactly was, didn't do enough to displace him. So it was fair to have him there. But I don't know. I'm intrigued to see what J.D. Daniels does this year. Again, the hype has continued ever since he's been in high school. Hell, he's the third on the Heisman list. And the only year we really have to show from J.T. Daniels is his not very good freshman year. Now, he could ball out. He's decently accurate. He's very smart and a quick decision maker. 
but he's not that mobile, and he doesn't have that strong of an arm, which doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things, how strong your arm is. It helps, but it doesn't really matter. How fast you are at processing is a very big factor in that, and he can do that. I'm just sitting here ranking him at 6 because I don't really know what he is yet. That's my big issue with JT Daniels. He could be number one as it all said and done. There's people that have had him number one in next year's draft. I'm just going to sit here and say, not yet. I think he's talented, got a lot of potential. I just need to see if he can realize that potential this year at Georgia. Number five, Desmond Ritter. I really like Desmond Ritter. He's another one of uh, Jordan Palmer's disciples. He is an athletic freak. Like, if you look at him, six foot four, 215, he's another version of Trey Lance. I just don't think he's, well, well, he's not as athletic as Trey Lance. Trey Lance is an absolute unit running the ball. Like, a fish really fast. I don't think Ritter is that fast, but Ritter has had some success. He's 30 and 5 as a starter at Cincinnati. He's played three years there. He looks like he's about 60 years old, though, if you look at his picture on ESPN. But he had a good freshman year. Did not have a great sophomore year. And then last year, Cincinnati was in an outside shot at making the playoff. Now, they weren't going to, but they had a shot. And Ritter was a big factor in that. I think working with Jordan Palmer is huge for him. I think his main issue is just consistency in the passing game. Not necessarily consistency in his overall play. It's just the passing game that he has some issues with. His completion percentage jumped from 55 to 66 from year two to year three. If he can keep those numbers around that, he should be he he's fine. I really like Desmond Ritter. I just like three other or four other quarterbacks a little bit more than Desmond Ritter. I think this year is huge for him because he definitely could be a top two pick in next year's draft. You look at his build, his skill set, it's perfect for what they're trying to do in the NFL. Big, strong quarterback that can move. That's what we're looking for. He just needs to get a little more consistent. In the passing game, and if he does that, if and when he does that, he could very well be a number two pick or number one overall pick or top ten pick. Who knows? We don't. He's probably the hardest to predict out of the quarterbacks in this draft class. As the, at this point, if we're talking about the top five quarterbacks, I think he's the hardest one to predict at this point. Number four, Keaton Slovis. I love Keaton Slovis. He's one of my favorite quarterbacks in college football. Extremely accurate. He is the most accurate quarterback in this draft class, and he's not immobile, but he's more of a natural pocket passer than the other guys in this top five. He can move when needed to, and he had a little bit of consistency issues last year at USC, but again, that kind of goes down to his arm issue that he was having, forced a lot of throws, threw a lot last year at USC. For how little games he played, he threw like 40 passes in almost every game or something like that. He threw a lot of passes at USC. And I really like Slovis. He's about 6'2", 200 pounds. He's basically me. And I want, I'm want. i curious to see what he does this year. Very talented. Like You're talented enough to keep two five-star recruits out of USC. You're doing something right. Two Gatorade High School Player of the Years out of USC. That's pretty impressive. Uh, this year, rediscover that consistency, get his arm situation figured out, and he very well may be the number one quarterback in this class because I think he's got the skill set to be up there. He's not as mobile or athletic as two of the guys I've got in front of him. Maybe he's a, as athletic as another one, but that's the thing that could hurt him more than not. It's what hurt Mac Jones. I think he's more athletic than Mac Jones, but accuracy was a big thing with those two. They're quick decision makers. I think Slovis has got a stronger arm than Mac Jones, 
but very similar in how they're probably going to be viewed as prospects. And Slovis, let's, let's just hold off to, for him because I really like him. I'm intrigued to see where he goes. He could go number one. He could probably he could go to 15. I don't know. That the athleticism thing could be an issue overall. I don't think he's that unathletic. I don't think he's a statue. He's just not as mobile as some of the other guys on this list. Number three, my favorite one of uh, he's pushing my favorite quarterback, Malik Willis from Liberty. This dude is insane. He has an absolute cannon for an arm. He's six foot one, about two fifteen. Hose for an arm. Has the uh, agility and skill set of a running back. He led the nation for quarterbacks in rushing yards last year. He had 20 passing touchdowns. Two, what was it? 2,400 passing yards? 2,200 passing yards, 20 touchdowns, 64% completion percentage, 944 rushing yards, 14 touchdowns on 6.7 yards a carry. And yes, he plays at Liberty. Transferred from Auburn, didn't get a playing time there. They had Bo Nix there. That wasn't going to happen. And ironically, Bo Nix is not even on the top 10. Uh, yeah, spoiler alert, he's not number one or two. I think most people had a general idea of one and two are. It's just the order that they're in. But Nix, or Nix, Willis is a beast. I've watched his stuff ever since I made the, like, this weekend. I started watching him because I saw I saw his name pop up. So I was like, oh, I want to see what all the hype's about. I saw him at a list at number 10, watched him. And I think when you look at like Zach Wilson, who was at BYU, an independent school, Liberty's an independent school as well, that's where you could get, maybe we don't need to worry about school size anymore. You don't see a lot of quarterbacks from Liberty. You don't see a lot of players from Liberty, really, that much in the NFL. But Willis, if given an opportunity, could do that. Dude's from Atlanta, and he you can tell he grew up with Michael Vick because his skill set is the exact same as Vic's. I We've talked about the comparisons with Lamar Jackson, Michael Vick. Those are dumb. This dude has a rocket arm, much like Vic's. I think he's a little more accurate than Vic, but has the same agility as Vic. Like You lock down his receivers, dude's going to make a play on his feet. He has no issues doing that. And you can watch all of his tape. It's some stuff is just ridiculous to watch. And if he balls out like everybody's expecting him to, he really could be the number one quarterback in this draft class. There's some people out there that are saying it now, but I think if given the extra, giving another year, dude could explode. And now he's in the national stage. People are going to be crooning in to Liberty football games. And I'm excited to see what he does with a bigger spotlight with everybody watching him because he's going to get watched a lot. And a lot of people might not have him at number three, but he's just so electric. I flipped him in Desmond Ritter because Ritter, though he's bigger, I just can't ignore the arm talent that uh, Malik Willis has. It's insane. The arm talent plus the athletic ability makes him a very unique prospect and one of the more intriguing prospects in this 2022 draft class. I'm very, very excited to watch him even more once the fall of 2021 kicks off because it's going to be exciting to see some Liberty football. Liberty football is going to have some fans next year, more than they normally do. And he's the main reason why. And he beat up on ACC teams. It's not like he just played a bunch of FCS teams. No. They played Syracuse, Virginia Tech, and one more. They played one more. I can't remember. But they beat, they went, what, they lost one game. They went 10 and 1. They beat Coastal Carolina in the bowl game, beat three ACC teams, or maybe they lost to one of them. I can't remember exactly. But they're not playing nobodies. They're playing well known programs that get people drafted. And yeah. He's a beast. 
I would recommend going and watch some Malik Willis highlights. He's an absolute game changer. He's a certified baller. Yeah, dude's a beast. Dude's a beast. Number two, Spencer Rattler from Oklahoma. Ad-libber, which is what Malik Willis is, an absolute ad-libber. He can do anything. If you shut down one thing, he's going to kill you with the other thing. That's what Spencer Rattler is, but to a lesser extent because he's not as athletic as Malik Willis. I'm not saying he's not an athlete because Spencer Rattler is a very good athlete. He's just not as jolty and as quick as Malik Willis, but his arm is arguably stronger. He's probably got the strongest arm in this draft class, and it's so effortless. That's another thing I liked with Willis, how effortless his throws looked. It just like back, back foot throws, off his back foot, leading receivers everywhere. Willis rarely underthrew people. That's what Spencer Rattler is like. And I remember when he got, we went to Oklahoma right before he was going to start off this season. I remember everybody saying he's the most gifted quarterback Spencer or Lincoln Riley has ever had. And that's high praise for a coach that's had Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, and Jalen Hurts, who are two Heisman Trophy winners, a Heisman finalist, and now all three of them are starters in the NFL. That's very high praise for Spencer Rattler. But dude's talented. And we've talked about this before in the past that Talent does not equal that means they're does not mean he's better than them. He's just more talented. We said that with Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold's more talented than Baker Mayfield, but Baker Mayfield's a better quarterback. Spencer Rattler's definitely very, very gifted. I don't know if he's more gifted than Kyler Murray, who's one of the most athletically gifted quarterbacks I've seen in college football, but he's a very quick process. Is the flick of the wrist is what it's one of my favorite phrases with quarterback. Just like so effortless. Josh Allen does the same thing. It's like he doesn't look like he's throwing that hard, and then boom, it's a 60-yard pass. That's what Spencer Rattler does. And he can make plays on the ground. There are times last year he made plays. It's just, again, there are times he looked overwhelmed or looked a little jazz. Uh, what is it called? Jazzed? Flustered? That's the word, flustered. And it took a little benching to get him calmed down. Tanner Mordecai came in against Texas, and Spencer Rattler was benched. But he came back in and let it come back against Texas in four overtimes, one of the best games in college football. And then he kind of showed everybody how talented he is. I think he'll show out even more again this year because he's had that year at starting, and he will ball out. And I am not surprised at all that he is the favorite at this point in time to win the Heisman Trophy. Excited to see what he does. I love watching Oklahoma quarterbacks because it's just a factory of quarterbacks. And I'm intrigued to see who the quarterback is coming after Spencer Rattler. I'm pretty sure he's a five-star. I saw his recruiting video. He played for a purple high school team. I don't remember what his name is. Cade Williams, I think, is his name. We'll see how he does after Rattler. But Rattler is a very, very talented quarterback. And then the last one on this list, if you've talked to me long enough, you shouldn't be surprised who's number one on this list. It's Sam Howell, the quarterback from North Carolina. If you watch him or just look at him, you don't even really need to watch him. He just looks like Baker Mayfield. Six foot one, two twenty five, not insanely athletic, but can move. Sneaky athleticism from Sam Howell, and he's got a good arm. He's accurate. He's very consistent. You know what you're going to get from Sam Howell. And his two years as a starter at North Carolina, basically every number is the same. His completion percentage went up from last year, but he did he played more games the season prior to his freshman year. So a little bit of his other numbers are up. He threw, but. Yeah, so he threw 3,600 yards his freshman year, 38 touchdowns, 7 picks. And then this past year, on 74 less attempts, almost threw for the same number of yards, 30 touchdowns, while improving his completion percentage from 61% to 68%. And also, his passer rating went up from 160.2 to 179.1. 
and his yards per completion went up from 8.6 to 10.3. Now, the thing that'll be interesting, he lost four big players to the NFL this year. Daz Newsom, Diami Brown, Michael Carter, and Javante Williams are all gone. Those are huge players for North Carolina. Will Sam Howell be able to adapt without those guys being there? Time will tell. But if he does, he should be guaranteed the number one draft pick. So then people are going to go like, well, he did well with these guys and played well without those guys as well. I should say number one draft pick. Kayvon Thibodeau is going to be very hard to pass up for whoever is drafting number one. But as the number one quarterback, it should be hard to see. I don't think he's done growing. I think he's still got more to improve on. And I'm excited to see what he does this year. He's the best quarterback in the ACC. Trevor Lawrence is gone. He's going to have competition from Derek King and, oh, crap, the Boston College quarterback. I forgot his name. Phil Phil Yurkovic, almost forgot his name. Sorry I didn't have him on the list either. That was one that was really hard to leave off. And Malik Cunningham. But the Sam Howell is the best. And to me, he's the best quarterback right now as of April 4th. or May. I keep saying May 4th, 2021. Sam Howell is the best quarterback in this draft class. Subject to change. So this isn't set in stone. So here's the top 10 again. One, Sam Howell. Two, Spencer Rattler. Three, Malik Willis. Four, Keaton Slovis. Five, Desmond Ritter. Six, JT Daniels. Seven, Carson Strong. Jaden Daniels at eight. Uh, Matt Corral at nine. And Tyler Show at 10. And then for those of you who missed out, Alan Bowman, Malik Cunningham, Dylan Gabriel, Phil Yurkovic, Derek King, Bo Nix, Brock Purdy, and Spencer Sanders. All of those guys missed out. I had Brock Purdy on my list on Twitter, but forgot Carson Strong, so I took him out. Phil Yurkovic could feel bad about missing out as well, and so could Derek King. But that's all I've got for you for this list. I think it's a good list. If you like it, go ahead and check it out. It's on the LoganBlackmanShow.com. I also post the link on all forms of social media if you want to check them out. So, yeah, I'm excited to see what this quarterback class does this year. This Again, this list is subject to change, but that's how I view it at this point in time. Yeah, very exciting stuff. Very, very, very exciting stuff. Do you think Spencer Rattler or Sam Howell is number one? Do you think Malik Williams is number one? Keaton Slovis? It's exciting to see. There's some good players overall in this draft. We talked about the running backs, Isaiah Spiller, Brees Hall, C.J. Verdell, Master Teague from Ohio State. Those are some nice running backs. Chris Olave, George Pinkins, who's going to be big for JT Daniels this year down at Georgia. Justin Ross coming off a neck injury. Uh, Garrett Wilson still there at Ohio State. Then he got... Uh, the boy Charlie Kohler there, Jalen Weidermeyer at Texas A&M. You got Evan Neal at Alabama, the top tackle in this year's draft so far. And then Kalevon, or Kalevon Chison. I don't know why he popped in my head, but Kayvon, <laughs> Kayvon Thibodeau, Derek Stingley still there. Oh, it's going to be a fun draft. It's going to be a fun one. It's going to be a very, very fun draft. So sadly, we're going to have to wait a year. April 28th is when the draft is, but it's in Vegas. So fun. I'm just so excited for the draft. I, I, the draft's the best time of the year. That's all I've got for you, though, today. Go over my top 10 list of quarterbacks for the next year's draft class. Way too early draft pick. Drop, jeez, way too early top 10. Make sure you go subscribe to the Logan Blackman Show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Go follow me on all forms of social media. I will see you guys on Friday, maybe. I'll just say this. I'll see you when I see you. Peace.